Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. My name is Adam Bittner, digital, or excuse me, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Joined for our Steelers live stream after a 24-17 Steelers victory against the Rams at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. I'm joined by Paul Zeiss to break it all down. Paul, how are you? Kind of a wild game there at the end. It's the same game every week, isn't it, Adam? The same exact game every single week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some elements that I think definitely reminded me of of past games, but there are also some elements, Paul, where they seemed like they seemed dominant in this fourth quarter. It wasn't just like one drive where they kind of strung things together to kind of win at the end that the defense kept them in it. They were the better team in that fourth quarter, and if you look at some of the numbers for the full game after that, that you know, when you factor in that fourth quarter, looks like they had a pretty good day, stunningly enough. I think I had just pulled it up right before the show. Um, Kenny Pickett was 16 of 24 for 223 yards, 9.3 yards per attempt. That's pretty good. 96.4 quarterback rating. Um, in that way, I thought this one was a little bit different, Paul. Well, I mean, they were good in the fourth quarter. Again, they had 105 yards, I think, going into the fourth quarter. At one point, the, the, the receiver for the Rams had 146 yards, and the Steelers had 98 total. Um, you know, but the Rams shot themselves in the foot early, made mistakes, dropped passes, missed field goals, missed extra points, did all those crazy things and kept the, you know, allowed the Steelers to hang around. And you know what? They came and they dominated the fourth quarter and won the game. Um, but it's incredible to me. Every week we talk about the same exact thing every single week. Why does it take to the fourth quarter before the Steelers actually start doing something on offense? Why does it take to the fourth quarter till we start seeing them throw the ball down the field a little bit? They start seeing them throw the ball down in the middle of the field. I just don't under, I don't get it. I don't understand why every single week it's the same exact game. And again, when you play bad teams, they do things like drop passes, miss field goals, and do everything else to keep you in the game. But you know, when you play good teams, they're not going to do that. And so I, I just feel like uh, this is like it's the most puzzling team I've ever uh, been around or covered or whatever. I don't know what they're doing from time to time from the standpoint of they look terrible for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they all of a sudden they look like world beaters. It's like, well, why can't you do that for three quarters and make it easy on yourselves? I'm excited to dig into those questions more with you, Paul, as we, we go through the show here. Just a reminder before we get too far into it that this uh, this live stream, this post-game show on postgazette.com, uh, the Postgazette YouTube channel, Postgazette podcast platforms, is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866 593 
1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, Paul, let's, let's, let's narrow the focus on, on this offense. I, I, I think you set it up well that, that they don't play well for three quarters. They look great in the fourth quarter. Um, where are they? If you look at these numbers at the end of the game, I still look at them and say that's a pretty good game. But to your point, if you can't do that for three quarters, how many more times can you keep, you know, pulling these games out in this fashion? Um, you know, it's going on a full season that we've seen them do this, Paul. And and yeah. at what point is that? At what point is it? You know, it, where do you draw the line of? Is this a real way to win, or, or is it just? Um, smoke and mirrors. Well, I mean, I think it's a, it's a way to win, you know, uh, in the regular season because you play enough uh, teams that don't, that don't have good quarterbacks or or bad or you know whatever that you're gonna if you if you just uh, do the things the Steelers do because one of the things they don't do is beat themselves for the most part. They just don't. They had a couple of idiotic penalties today uh, from the receivers, but for the most part, they don't beat themselves. You know, they they sort of let other teams make mistakes and they uh, just sort of capitalize on them. So to me. Yeah, it's obviously a really, really good way to go and win games uh, during the regular season. But you, when you play the better teams in the playoffs, if you're going to be sleepwalking for three quarters, you're going to be down big. In the, at the, and so they've got to figure it out before the end of the season. Whatever it is they're looking to do or need to do in order to get better early in the games, they need to, they need to figure it out. Because uh, to me, uh, it's, just, it's, it's very frustrating to watch them for three quarters. They're, they're just terrible. I mean, their their offense was horrific, and then you know they and they got a gift from T.J. Watt to score the touchdown that they you know that they scored. Uh, otherwise, you know, who knows where they would have been going into the fourth quarter. Then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, they figure out something. I don't know what it is, and then next thing you know, they're they're basically uh, uh, you know they look like uh, they they they're one of the best offenses in the league. So uh, whatever it is. That they find in that fourth quarter, they need to figure it out real, really a whole lot earlier in the game. I'm going to talk about one of our our favorite pet topics here, Paul. The receivers had quite the day. Um, really, no one beyond Deontay Johnson or George Pickens was involved in this game. Um, you and I talk all the time about the, the depth and how it's lacking, and I think that was on uh, display today. George Pickens and Deontay Johnson did some incredibly stupid things in this game. Um, you had the – I think we forget it because of the taunting penalties in the fourth quarter, but there was that crackback block that George Pickens got called for. It was a mistake on his part. But you know who else was at fault there, Paul? Was Deontay Johnson for running backwards and trying to run across the field. You can't do that in the NFL, Paul, without something illegal happening, right? <laughs> right. So you, so you have both of those guys doing that. And then still in the fourth quarter – they dominate the game. They basically deliver the Steelers the victory. Um, you know, they were great, and and they looked like all of the all all the arrows you and I take on the show for saying the Steelers don't have great receivers. They were validating all of the belief that a lot of people have in them. But then they also do all this this dumb stuff. How do you assess them at the end, given the good and the bad today? Well, I mean, they obviously do a lot more good than bad. But sometimes the bad is really bad, right? And and I think, you know, you saw, you know, there was a big play from uh, Deontay Johnson where he caught a pass and, uh, you know, it was like a third. It was a pretty big third down. In this, and, and, and he caught a pass. Uh, he ran a good route, caught a pass, and ran, what, another 30 yards after he caught it, right? Uh, at the at, at, and there, there was that. 
Uh, Pickens obviously made a couple of big plays like that where he caught a few passes and uh, and whatnot. But um, they got to knock the other stuff off. I mean, you're 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 hurting your team, but more importantly, it's it's so unnecessary. It, 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 I don't want to hear about how they're emotional and this and that. It shows they want to win. There's a lot of guys that are emotional and show they want to win, but they don't get 15 yard penalties for stupidity. Um, so to me, uh, the the good way out, far outweighs the bad with those two. But the bad can sometimes be really bad, and that's that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, listen, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Chase Claypool, those guys all played for better, at least in my opinion, better Steelers teams got crushed for for taking penalties like that in moments where, you know, it didn't matter in the end. Antonio Brown took a lot of those unsportsmanlike penalties when the Steelers winning by two, three touchdowns. Remember that game against the Colts where he tried to ride the upright down. Um these guys did it in the fourth quarter when you're trying to close out a win. I mean, yeah. that's what really makes it mind-numbing to me, Paul. It's one thing when you're you're celebrating and, and you're beating a team and you're better than a team and you know it. It's another when, you know, you're not – like you struggle for three quarters, you finally get a little bit going, and, and you let it go to your head immediately. How can that be the mindset of this team in that locker room, knowing how much they struggle from week to week? Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I don't really don't. I don't understand how, you know, th- th- it happens with them uh, where you haven't really accomplished a whole lot really in your careers. And yet you, you know, to feel the need every time you have a little success to act the fool. Um, but again, th- that's got to come from Mike Tomlin. I mean, that's got to come from Mike Tomlin. He's got to sit him down and say, listen, this, this kind of stuff, it does not help our cause. So why, you know, explain to me why you continue to do it. That's, that's really, to me, what you what, what it's going to take, um, because that's that's really what is the problem right now, uh, is you have two guys who either don't have to be held accountable, aren't held accountable, or whatever. And I think that uh, for me, you know, again, I think they they're, they're talented, and the the good things they do outweigh the bad things they do quite often. But at the end of the day, uh, those bad things sometimes are really bad. Running backs get 16 carries, Paul. Um, I was looking at them early in the game, and it felt like they were doing nothing. And then I pull up the stats at the end, and you get those couple long runs for touchdowns. And Najee Harris, 13 carries, 53 yards, averages 4.1 per carry with a score. Jalen Warren, 5 carries, 30 yards, 6 yards per carry. Um, Only 88 yards rushing as a team, but the running game turned it on when it mattered. What did you think of what you saw from the running game today? Um, and if there's anything to build on there. Yeah, no, I would agree that they actually ran hard. Those two guys ran hard. I thought they got some opportunities uh, to, to, you know, to, to make some play and everything else. It's just one of those things. Um, it, I feel like, to be honest, uh, the, the running game is probably today a little better than their, their numbers. And I know they, they averaged a decent you know, amount of yards per carry, but I felt like, Really watching that game, this was the best I've seen their running game in a lot of ways. I thought Najee Harris made extra yards. Uh, you know, I thought that obviously they were able to, when they got down into the red zone, they were able to run the ball with purpose. They were able to, you know, pound the ball in. I thought those two guys had a really good day. Actually, I, I, I know that they only, what did you say, 88 yards is all they really had. But I kind of felt like when they ran, uh, when they ran, 
they ran well and they ran with purpose and they were able to give the offense an opportunity. And I thought really that was the key. You know, they scored in the red zone. I thought the key was they were able to run the ball down there uh, and get some tough yards and really just kind of, uh, you know, move the pile. And then of course the, the, uh, both of the touchdown, well, the touchdown by Warren and uh, it was just a great, uh, it was a good, it was a good um, blocking, but I mean, Warren made a nice little cut back and, and then just sprinted to the end zone. And then Najee Harris, uh, obviously uh, his touchdown run, I thought was, it was impressive individual effort as well. You know, that's one of those runs. It's only two and a half, three yards, but it was an impressive two and a half, three yards. So I feel like their running game got a little better today. I thought that they did some things in the passing game they haven't done really all year. Um, you know, throwing the ball to the middle of the field. Uh, you can, you know, we could sit here and say maybe that's because Deontay Johnson's back and, you know, they, they had some different things available to them. But at the end of the day, uh, I thought we saw some good things from the offense. We just need to see more of it. We just need to see it for four quarters. That's all. Yeah, Paul, I want to get into the game back here. I have a call in a second. I just wanted to button up the running back topic with, um, I thought what we saw today was them running situationally. And um, it's something we talked a lot about, I think, more last season than this season so far. But to your point, down in the red zone, you find a way that you get those big plays to get down there. And then you you get the key plays to, to keep the drives going and finish them off with touchdowns instead of field goals. Um, it's I think it's good. It was good situational football. And to your point, it's just a matter of you want that to be more consistent now, and you want that to go for all four quarters before you really believe that that running game is back where it was at the end of last season um, when when you felt pretty good about it and you felt like maybe you can build this offense around it in twenty twenty three. So shout out to them there for for playing well at the end of the game. We'll see if they can keep it rolling. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. Just uh, We need to see it for three. Yeah, and, and Paul, what did you think of the game Matt Canada called? He's got, we've got some Fire Canada comments in the uh, in the chat. We've got some Canada called a great game comments. Um, yeah, I thought he, he schemed some guys open, especially toward the end there. Um, and, and great individual efforts by Johnson and Pickens, but, um, you know, I, I think they were good play calls. Give him credit for that, but then just like everything else we've been saying, where is that the rest of the afternoon um, in terms of, of giving those guys the opportunity to make those kind of plays? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I thought he called uh, some really good goal. I thought he called some really good plays and did some really good, like, like, the, like you know, he, every game there's little glimpses that, you know, things, are, uh, things uh, with Matt, with respect to Matt Canada, he maybe could have success. Great example was the, was the uh, play called the Connor Hayward down near the, down near the end zone. 
where you know they they uh, they got the entire defense going one way and then Pickett and, and Connor Hayward uh, you know sprint out the other way and you get like a 15 yard gain or whatever that was to put you down in position to that's just good scheme that's that's what we talk about all the time is is that there's not nearly enough of that for Matt Canada in his offense there's a lot of plays that just feel like wasted plays in that offense uh, but for the most part I thought he did some really good things in terms of calling. Uh, uh, in terms of calling a game that makes sense. I I thought in the fourth quarter, he made some really good play calls. They had some really good play designs, and I thought they made some pretty good adjustments at halftime. Paul, Kenny Pickett, I think we, we have a comment here saying he was he looks bad, under, doesn't look confident, you know, under pressure, and, and he was under a lot of it today. Nonetheless, he only finishes with 80 incompletions. Maybe that's the nature of not controlling the ball as much as the Steelers might have liked. You don't have as many snaps available to throw incompletions with. Uh, maybe he gets exposed over a larger sample size. But as it was, he still. I'll be curious to see what the numbers from Pro Football Focus say this week because, you know, I think in the face of that pressure, he did a pretty solid job um, and especially, you know, ran the numbers up in the fourth quarter. What did you think of his afternoon, um, you know, given what he was dealing with with the blocking? Uh, wait, who did you ask me about here? Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. I thought Kenny Pickett played pretty good in the fourth quarter. Kenny Pickett, the first three. I mean, this is the same thing. We, it's, it's the same discussion we keep having, Adam. I mean, you know, I was trying to look at stats when you were asking me that question, but it, it, you know, he, it's the same. I was trying to figure out uh, what his numbers were before the, the fourth quarter, because it's the same conversation we have every <clears throat> week, isn't it? I think he was – I looked at – I don't know exactly when. I don't know if it was the end of the third quarter, but it was right around there. He was either 7 of 14 or 8 of 16. So then right. he was red hot down the stretch. That's, that's what I'm saying. Those numbers said that, that's pretty bad, but he, he, you know, he was money when it mattered. Right, that, and that's the issue. I mean, again, it, it's the offense. I don't know what it is. It's the offense. I don't know if it's the, the, the defense. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's the offense, I don't know if it's the quarterback, I don't know if it's the, the coordinator, I don't know if it's the, whatever it is. But those first three quarters, they play completely different than they play in the fourth quarter. And that goes for Kenny Pickett. In the first, in the first three quarters, it looks like he's he's happy feet. He looks like he's, you know, slow to pull the trigger. It looks like he's zoning in on certain receivers. You know what I mean? He's not really all that accurate. He takes bad sacks. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he figures it out. And and that was the same, like I said, I, I mean, I hate to be repetitive, but it seems to be the same thing every single week with this team. So if he can do what he does in the fourth quarters for three quarters, they're going to make some of these games a lot easier on themselves. Well, I'll well, I'll but he has to do that. Well, I'll tell you what I think it is partially, Paul, is is what, what are they doing in those fourth quarters? They hit the first first down on the drive. Then they hit the second. Then they hit the third. <laughs> It's it's getting the first first down on these drives. I think that the right. and we saw we talked about that after the Las Vegas game. Uh, Mike Tomlin talked about, hey, well, you know, we can get in rhythm. We can do different things with personnel. We can do different, uh, you know, things with with tempo. I think that's what you're seeing in these fourth quarters. It's just why is it so hard to scheme up? Okay, let's get that first first down of the drive, and then that starts setting us up to do some different things. It just seems like such a steep mountain to climb. It shouldn't be. What do they say in personal finance, Paul? That the first million is the hardest. <laughs> Why it shouldn't be that way in football? I don't think you should. You should be able to scheme up some easy things to get your guy in rhythm. And I think that's where Matt Canada falls falls 
short the most is is making the game easier for his quarterback. Well, it, it would be yeah, it would be easier to do that if it didn't seemingly you, you you come out every week and run the ball twice, you know, and you got third and eight to start. Like, would it kill them one time? I would like to see one time. They come out and throw the ball down the field on first down on the first play of the game. They don't do that though. They come. They come from the, the school of oh, we're gonna you know uh, we're gonna uh, uh, get into the game plan slowly and this and that and everything. I, well, why do that? Just go get it. Go after it. Come out with an, with an aggressive mindset. It's clear in the fourth quarter you've got an aggressive mindset. Come out with an aggressive mindset. What's the big deal? Why I, I don't understand why it, you wait so long before you allow that to happen. Yeah, the sense of urgency. Maybe maybe if you hit some of these plays you hit in the fourth quarter at the beginning, you can start setting things right. up and get a That's little bit more. Right. Yeah, exactly. But they're they're just. It feels like they're feeling the game. It feels like a call a big college game, kind of like we saw with Penn State and Ohio State yesterday, where they're trying to feel each other out all afternoon. Then the action happens, you know, quickly. Um, Paul, we're going to get into the defense here. I think there's a lot to talk about there. Um, any thoughts on the offensive line today um, and on Darnell Washington, who was playing in that number one tight end spot? I thought he was pretty invisible. What did you think yeah, of those guys up front? I was going to say, uh, if Darnell Washington made an impact on the game, I don't know what it was. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot. So I would just say he looked like a rookie tight end. And um, As far as the offensive line, I mean, they ran the ball better than they've run it. And Kenny Pickett has had a little bit more time to, 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 to throw it. So, you know, did they do their job? Yeah. I mean, I still think that uh, they didn't – I don't think they were great today. I think they were better than they've been. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, really all you can ask is try and get better each week. And at some point you figure if you get better next week, sooner or later and we'll start to say, wow, they're really good, Right. And that's that's what I would tell you uh, with the offensive line. Uh, I, I will say this about the, the Rams' defensive line, uh, and I hate saying this because he's obviously uh, <laughs> a favored son of us here in Pittsburgh, but Aaron Donald is definitely on the back nine. If not, you know, whole 18, he's, on, he's getting to the back nine of his career. Uh, he's just no longer a one-man wrecking crew. Um, you know, they, they try hard when he's in there to, you know, I'm talking about the announcers. They try hard when he's in there to sort of hype up whatever it is that he does out there. But I'll be honest with you. He's not nearly, uh, the, 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 the devastating, uh, uh, you know, guy that he was. And, and so, you know, um, that's something to, 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 to also think of, cause I'm sure tomorrow though, We'll be subjected to all kinds of stories about how, you know, whoever it is, stoned or, you know, they, it was it Ciamalo or whoever it is, you know, they, they stoned Aaron Donald. And it's kind of like, mm, okay. Um, but I just, that, that's more just my observations watching the Rams the last, even the last few weeks that I've watched them, I've said basically uh, Aaron Donald, I know that he, didn't he sign like a two-year extension or something last year? And, you know, he was talking about retiring. Probably should probably should really think hard and long and hard about it at the end of this year because it's it's not over, but it's getting there for him. Yeah, he's still a good player, but I don't I don't I don't see a transcendent guy out there right now. And I think the stats back that up. He's 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 just a, another good player in a league that's full of of guys like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Paul, we're going to talk about the defense here in a second. 
I just want to thank a couple of our sponsors, Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build solid academic foundations for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Paul, on defense, I think the big the big thing we've got to talk about is Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, shredded by these Rams receivers. Specifically, Puka Nakua, I'm looking up the final numbers here. Eight receptions, 154 yards. I will give the defense credit in that no one else on this um, on this Rams offense had more than two catches. Cooper Cup had two for 29, so you do a pretty good job containing him. He's a, he's a playmaker. Tutu Atwell obviously had that 31-yard touchdown catch, but Puka Nukua was just torturing these guys. Uh, I'm going to ask the question this way. We talk about Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace in terms of Joey Porter Jr. all the time. Aren't they maybe just the wrong guys on – forget about Joey Porter Jr. Why were those the two guys that this team settled on to be their guys on the outside? And, and are you starting to think that maybe that was a mistake? Well, again, let's go back to Cooper Cup because he should have had four catches for like 60-some yards. That's but he true. had two huge drops that had nothing to do with the Steelers' defense. And the reason I bring that up is because the, the Steelers – Defensive backs are like the Steelers. They made a few plays down the stretch when they needed to, but for three quarters, actually the better part of four quarters, they're just not very good. And, you know, it's it's one thing. I thought, you know, the Rams had a hard time protecting Matthew Stafford. It's one thing <clears throat> when you have um, when you have the ability to block the front which is hard to do, but if you can block the Steelers' front seven, those guys are open all over the place. Levi Wallace is not good enough. He's probably the weakest link. Joey Porter Jr. is is reasonably good in coverage. He's bad at tackling. And then you've got uh, Patrick Peterson, who's just old. So it's not something that's going to change, really. It's not like they've got, you know, different options that they can go to coming off the bench at this point. They just can't. They can't. So I I, I don't know what you're going to do the rest of the season, for better or worse. You just have to hope that T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith keep doing what they do and, 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 and taking away opportunities because I feel like this is a situation where the Steelers' defense, their secondary is going to be their Achilles heel. You know, if they get into the playoffs or a playoff situation, yeah, I mean, let me ask you this, Paul. Is is letting Cam Sutton walk the biggest misstep of the Omar Khan era so far? Yeah. I mean, obviously, and, it, and who, who would ever have thought we would have said that? Who would have ever thought we would say that? Or, I mean, Kella Witherspoon has done some good things for the Rams today. Right. Takes that, right. that penalty at the end and, and got cooked a couple times. So I'm not sure this is necessary. I don't think today was the tape you're going to use to say the Steelers should have kept this guy, but um, – you know, but again, but again, the thing about it is, you know, Cam Sutton probably wanted too much money, but how much I would love to know. I, I don't have, I'm, I, I was trying to pull it up. Uh, you know, it's hard. Like I'm doing this uh, with you while I'm trying to, you know, pull up stats that are relevant or whatever. 
How much do you know how much uh, Cam Sutton is making? I can't. I'm just trying to pull that up. I'm wondering what the difference in his contract and Patrick Peterson's contract. I know they're not giving Peterson hardly anything, but I think my whatever it was, Paul. I think it was like a couple million. It was not. It was not huge. And and the Steelers, I think, still had some room up against the cap, and they have for the last handful of years. Um, And and so it's a move that I think they could have made. um, Certainly with with an eye toward this season. Maybe they didn't want to do it for that 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 long of a span. And I you know I get that. Signing guys to long-term contracts in this league can sometimes set you up for failure, especially if you give them a lot of guaranteed money. But um, it certainly didn't make this team any better this year, which was which was the way, you, you know, in theory, if you're building this team, that's where you have the most flexibility. When you have a rookie quarterback and you don't have to pay the quarterback, you should be able to go out and, and spend well, money. And, and, that, and, and that's the whole point about it to me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The whole point about that, that is you're not paying, you're not paying Kenny Pickett that much money. So you need to put the money somewhere. And, and I know they put it in a couple of their stars, but it's one of those things where I just feel like the more I watch these corners, and especially since Levi Wallace is just not very good and Patrick Peterson is old, they're not likely to get better. It's not like, you know, it's not like where you're looking at Kenny Pickett saying, well, even though it's his like 20th start, he's still a really young player. He's going to continue to get better, right? Uh-huh. Same thing with uh, with uh, George Pickett. He's going to grow out of, you know, being a, uh, being a goofball at times, and he's going to grow out all that emotional stuff, and he's actually going to, uh, um, you know, he's actually going to continue to get better as a receiver. You know, even Broderick Jones. Oh, well, okay. If you look at Broderick Jones, you'd say, hey, he's young, right? You can't say that about these two corners. They are who they are. And 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 quite frankly, as the season goes on, you know, they're likely to even get worse, not better. They're probably, you know, they're, they're, they'll lose a step maybe a little bit because, they, they know, now when, when you're their age, your body gets beat up. Um, it's harder to recover. You know, you lose your legs a little bit. You're not, you're not blessed with that much speed to begin with. Uh, when you're a little bit older like that, so I'm looking right here. The guys, the guys in the chat brought it up. Uh, Ray Angus in the chat says Sutton signed three years, thirty-three million. Patrick Peterson two years, fourteen. So it was a, a little bit more than I thought. Okay, That's so four, about, four million, about four, million, four yeah. million a year. Yeah, that is a significant difference because they probably didn't want to give Sutton the third year. But still, I mean, what do you value? You know, what do you value? You have. Your quarterback on a rookie contract for two more years. So, if you're going to try and really go for it, you know, because the interesting thing is, would you, you know, talk about maybe next year cutting Cam? Cam, I know this is going to sound like you're, you know, this is going to be sacrilegious. Would you consider cutting or waving Cam Hayward? Get, taking all that money off the books? No, because you've got one more year where you can afford to pay him that much. But regardless, at the end of the day, you've got 
you've got a couple of positions where you need to spend some money, period. You need to spend some money at corner, and, you, you know, you can't cut corners there. So, you know, put or, no pun intended, you know. Or or you need to invest it in another corner. I mean, are we gonna, we're going into the next draft season. I think we're going to be having the same conversations with the last <laughs> draft season. Even though you get Joey Porter Jr., even though he's, you know, doing some good things for you, I think people feel pretty good about him. I think you still need one at the top of the draft, Paul, to, to kind of give yourself a chance if you can't find that guy in free agency um, at, at the number you want to find them at to, to have a chance to, to be pretty good in that, in that secondary. At least one corner, I think, at, at this point. Absolutely. It's, it, here's the thing, Adam. We're going to be talking about the draft next year. What are we going to be talking about? Well, they need to take a corner and they need to take a receiver, right? I mean, that's pretty much what they're going to do. That is what they're going to need going into the corner, going into the draft, a receiver and a corner. And they might need a center, Paul. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, and, and, a, and a center. So an offensive lineman, exactly like this year. So uh, we'll see what happens here. But, again, I, I always feel like um, the Steelers, because they have a rookie quarterback, should have spent a little bit more money on receiver and a couple more money uh, and a little bit more money on uh, on corner. Um, now, that being said, when, when they signed Patrick Peterson, we all kind of were happy about it and thought, wow, they're getting a you know, former All-Pro. Boy, if, if put it this way. If we would have seen him play one game, before they signed them, we would have said, mm, don't want to do that. So, you know, um, it, it'll be interesting. Got to keep giving Joey Porter chances and, you know, help him help he continues to get better and you get him in the rotation. And then you kind of figure out how you're going to, you know, manipulate Wallace and Peterson on, you know, maybe on the other side or one becomes your slot guy. But at the end of the day, I would, uh, we've talked about this really ad nauseum as well, but, I would put Porter in the lineup uh, full-time, permanently, put him in the starting lineup, and uh, just kind of juggle the other guys for the other two positions. Well, and the reason I would say that too, Paul, is because I think you can still – I think there's enough in Peterson that if you were deploying him in the right situations, setting him up the way you've set Joey Porter – because I think that's why Joey Porter Jr. looks great. It's because they've been able to pick and choose their spots where they, they use him. And so he hasn't gotten exposed over, you know, all of the snaps over the course of a game. I think if you flip that equation and you get the younger guy playing the majority of the snaps, right. um, you know, he's able to hang with these receivers for longer. You know, he's, he's not as he's faster, all of those things. And then you deploy Patrick Peterson more selectively. Maybe we're having a different conversation about Patrick Peterson by the end of the season. But until they make that commitment, you know, I think it's going to be we're going to have similar conversations to this. Um, Paul, one thing I wanted to talk about briefly is TJ Watt. Man, can you believe there was any point in time where we were debating how much money the, the Steelers should give him? Because he, he'd be worth 50% of the salary cap alone at this point, the way he's, he's almost single-handedly keeping this defense or turning this defense into a, 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 the ability to change games like he did. If he doesn't play this year, they're 2-4, and four, not 4-2. Four and two. Period. So, you know, the, the, the question with him isn't his talent. The question is, can he stay upright for 16 or 17 games? So far, so good. That's the, the question that, any, that we could ask all the time. As he, can he stay upright, really, for, you know, 16 or 17 games? That's what we need to see. 
And so uh, as far as his impact on games, I mean, I don't know what else can be said, really, uh, about how he impacts games. Again, they're two and four without him. And, you know, with him, they're four and two. Without him, they'd be two and four. They don't win the Cleveland game, uh, and they don't win this game. And they might not win the Raiders game either, you know. So to me, <laughs> they could be one and five real easily without D.J. Watt. So he's been worth every penny this year. Paul, where do you rank this in terms of, of victories for this team so far? And, and I guess taking opponent into consideration here, is that Rams team good enough that you're like, hey, it was, it was a solid win. That team's not going to be, I don't think, a playoff team. I don't think they're going to be, you know, threatening for any division titles. But they, they have some solid players, and the Steelers still find a way to beat them. Um, I, I think it was one of the better victories of the season if you look at it in totality, even though it didn't feel like it for most of the way. Yeah, I mean, and the Rams are okay. I mean, the Rams are just okay. They're going to win about six to seven games. You know, good teams, look, good teams beat teams that are bad. You know, one of the great formulas that you have uh, uh, with Mike Tomlin and has never, never had a losing season is, in general, his teams beat bad teams. And, if you know, you've got enough of them on the schedule. <laughs> if, you beat, if you just win those games. And really, despite, you know, the Tomlin game and all that other stuff, if you look at his record against bad teams, he usually wins these games. So uh, I think it's a solid win. You know, um, the Ravens game obviously is more impressive, even though it was basically almost a gift handed to them. They won the game. They figured it out, you know. But that was actually beating, I think, a pretty good team. Uh, This here was, you know – doing what you're supposed to do. And I think there's a lot of teams out there, if they figured out that, hey, if you just win the games you're supposed to win, you're going to have eight, nine, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten wins every year. That's just how it is. And that's what they've. That's what Mike Tomlin has been able to do his entire career, figure out a way to win eight, nine, ten games because they win games like this, you know. And, you know, it, it, I mean, not to, but not to bring up another guy, uh is similar to me, but I, I this James Franklin. The guy wins 10, 11 games every year. Do you want to know why? Because he beats the teams he's supposed to beat. I mean, very, very, very rarely, especially in recent years, do they lose a game they're not supposed to lose. Right? It's not right. always pretty, but he finds a way to win games they're supposed to win. You know, and I know people at, you know, Penn State fans would do, oh, you know, we want to win Ohio State, Michigan. Okay, well, that's great, but you know what? The bottom line is, at the there's they're ten and eleven win team every single year because he generally does not lose these kind of games. Same thing with Mike Tomlin here. He hadn't he hadn't, he hadn't won a whole lot of big games in a long long time. We know that you know he hasn't won in the playoffs. He's got what three of he's three and eight in his last eleven playoff games. He hasn't won a uh, uh, he hasn't won uh, a more than one playoff game. You know. Uh, it, it was in a season, I think, since what the 2010 season or whatever it is. But the reality of the situation is, um, when you when you really look at it from, well, actually, I think he did win that one year when they won that they beat the Chiefs and the Dolphins. But the the but the point I'm trying to make is he's won three playoff games since 2010. He's had two seasons where he's actually won a playoff game, so he hasn't done that enough for people to be happy. But as far as winning games like this, this is what he's done his entire career. The Steelers have done this his entire career. They win games like this against bad teams. 
Yeah, so give them credit for that. Um, and we'll, I, that's what we call in the business a tease, Paul. I think you and I are going to talk a lot about James Franklin on our Thursday podcast. <laughs> so everyone, make sure you're subscribed um, so you, you can check that out. We'll have lots of Penn State conversation. Um, Paul, I'll put this, I'll just wrap this topic up and say, I'm going to put this in the Las Vegas win category of, I think there were a lot of good things you can build on here. They didn't do that after the Vegas game. I think they regressed. Can you do that moving forward against, you know, Jacksonville team that was in the playoffs last season? If you can, then I think we're starting to feel pretty good about this team, despite all of the things that, you know, over the course of the season, you know, people are understandably frustrated about. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. Any final thoughts, Paul, before before we wrap up? I'm interested to see a Jacksonville game next week. I really am. Uh, I think Jacksonville's a little better team than what they've played. You know, I don't know if that group has matured, though, to the point where they can go and win a playoff game, or win, a, win on the road in a playoff atmosphere like this, uh, which it'll be up at, at, at Acrisure Stadium. I'd be very interested. To, I'm, I'm excited about this game because, again, I, I, I'm different than most, Adam. I have no interest in watching the Rams. I have no interest in watching the Raiders. I have no interest in watching these games that are against bad teams. I just don't want to do it. I, it's, it's, football is terrible when the teams are bad. And so to me, next week, I think Jacksonville is pretty good. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Unfortunately, I won't be on this show. Chris Dell will be in my seat. My brother's getting married. Shout out to Craig Bittner. Um, I'll be in New York City, so I'll be out next week. But Paul will be here. Chris Dell will be here taking you through uh, Steelers-Jaguars next uh, Sunday afternoon. So make again, make sure you're subscribed. We're going to have plenty of content all week, too, on the North Shore Drive with Christopher Carter. He'll be on with uh, Ray Fittipaldo on Monday morning. Um, I'll be back with Paul on Thursday. Lots of great talk coming your way, so, so make sure you're signed up, and we will talk to you all again real soon. All right, we'll see you. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette.